for this evening we just wanted that because we have our minister here uh, we wanted to have a, a kind of an, inter, uh, an interchange with him because he's the Minister of State for Diaspora as well as for International Development Assistance um, but I'd like to give a warm uh, welcome to Ottawa and for his first trip to Canada in his capacity as Minister for the Diaspora so a warm welcome to Minister Jake Fleming So it's, it's great to have him here. We've already kidnapped him and taken him on an Irish Heritage Tour of Ottawa. Another convert. Um, so uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask everybody to introduce themselves and then we'll open it up to uh, an exchange and a conversation. All right, so Minister, do you want to introduce yourself? <laughs> oh, okay, thank you, Ambassador. My name is Sean Fleming and the most important thing I, uh, thing I have to say here tonight is I'm from County Leash. <laughs> and I've met several people already from Port Arlington, Manly Hill and several other places however, you know, when you go abroad even if it's only for a week like me or for years like many of yourselves where you come from, your home roots are the most important thing that matters and when you meet a gathering like this it's what county are you from, where are you from and we might eventually get around to talking about what we work at and what we do but we all like to know where our roots come from so it's really important and it's great that when we're in a group like this that we can all exchange views and many of you know each other so look at that's Sean Fleming my official role is I'm a TD for Leash Offaly I've been there a number of years and I'm now Minister of State in the Department of Foreign Affairs with responsibility for the diaspora and that's keeping in with and links open and communication with the Irish overseas so many people have left in recent years Canada many people left a generation ago and when I go to London as you will all know people left in the 50s and 60s and you know the, meeting them over there in their setting many of them are older now and their, their children are grown up and their grandchildren are grown up and it's very important <coughs> that the Irish government fosters and keeps in and has good communications and link and support because we do support all the groups uh, around the world uh, where we can and it's very important we do that so that's one end of it the other side of my job is I deal with international aid and that's helping the countries that are furthest behind as in many of the African countries if it was in Malawi as in Zambia those type of countries where we might think we know poverty you should be out there some of those countries are still haven't even a tractor and they're all still doing um, some potatoes like we did in Ireland 200 years ago before the famine so we have to bring them and we're doing that through education and improving their health services and that's through the gold and the trokers and all these type of organisations and uh, that's my official role here but uh, I think it's a bit of an Irish night as well as uh, an international night as well so look at that's it in a nutshell and I'll answer any question you throw at me as the night goes on so there's the challenge of course in, in ancient Gaelic Ireland there was a fifth province in the middle and I don't think Leash ever got over losing provincial status but you know still an important county uh, mention of the um, the, uh, the Irish government's approach and support for the immigrant population I think it's, it's one of the best in the world um, but I want you to be very very nice to Aidan Cronin my colleague who is head of the Irish Abroad Unit and is signing the cheques so when we go to Aidan for support he's been here and I'm sure he's having a good time as well so thank you Aidan um, our panellists thank you for volunteering so Francis maybe you say a few words Francis is associated with a certain Pat Kelly as far as I know but anyway we won't hold that again 
Yeah, hello everyone. Um, my name is Francis and uh, I'm over here for the summer. Uh, I'm from Galway in Ireland. If anyone, anyone here from Galway? Yeah, good Galway crowd here. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, so I'm over here working in construction for the summer and uh, back home then I, I do law in school and yeah, that's, I'm looking to be a lawyer. So that's pretty much all I've got to say. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Francis. Um, Maria uh, is here five years, five years here uh, with a background in uh, victim advocacy, working with the provincial police. Um, but you find that this is a great home for you and your your two kids who are five and seven. Seven and eight. Seven and eight. I was never good at math. It's actually three children. I have a forty-three-year-old, and he's in the audience as well. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I jest, I jest. Um, so I feel like the quality of counties here has been excellent. I may let the side down. I'm from Longford, so don't judge me. Uh, is there anyone else here from Longford apart from my wonderful husband who has to put up with me? <laughs> um, so a little bit about myself. Um, I, I, and I'm going to start with a quote, probably one of my famous, famous quotes from Seamus Amy, which says that uh, I've started to think of life as a series of ripples originating out, uh, rising out of our original centre. And so many of us in life, the places that we come from, we never forget that. But for me, this journey started um, with Osgoode Hall Law Schooling, having an opportunity to study here. And then it followed on from there, building in my law career with the incredible relationships I met internationally, someone who which lived in Ottawa. And uh, myself and my husband, five years ago, decided to leave with three boxes, three suitcases, no jobs, and we left great careers to come here for an opportunity. But we came here because we had great hope based on the people that we'd met from Canada before and the opportunities that they knew that came to us. Um, so I want to thank Dibna for the opportunity to be here today. It's really a privilege and honour to be asked. I want to thank you, Ambassador, and I thank you, Minister, as well, for, for the privilege of being on, on the panel. I hope I don't mess it up. And my husband talks to me afterwards. Thank you, Maria. And I think Maria said something very important, and, and people who don't come from I was up in um, Hawkesbury, and uh, Hawkesbury was uh, Hawkesbury's a, it's had a better better time. It's all boarded up shops and so on. And I said to somebody in Hawkesbury, "Oh, I'm from Ottawa." They looked at me sadly and said, "Oh my God, such a boring town." I said, what are you thinking about? But anyway, the one thing they say God was a town that, that fun forgot. I don't think that's true at all. But one thing, as Maria said, when we're here and we're in Ottawa, we fall in love with Ottawa. I think it's a brilliant, brilliant town and a great community. Um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, maybe a couple of months ago, we hosted the Rose of Chile in the residence. It was a very glamorous affair for glamour only beaten by the seniors' garden party. <laughs> I'm lucky we are honoured to have the winner who is going to Tralee to represent Ottawa um, for the Rose of Tralee, Aoife. Hello, thank you so much for having me here today. I'm really looking forward to the conversations that we'll be having. Um, so, as you said, my name is Eva McDonald, and unlike the other panelists, my background or experience is a little bit different. So, I am a first-generation Canadian and the daughter of Irish immigrants. Uh, my mother is from Galway, and my father is from Leash. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, my parents came 
to Canada in 88, and that was a time when Ireland was facing mass unemployment and emigration, and so they came to Canada to offer a better life for not only themselves, but for my brother and I. Um, but it was always very important for them that we remain connected to our Irish roots and our family. So I was very fortunate to travel to Ireland every summer growing up to spend time in both Galway and Liege, but I got to travel all around uh, Ireland as well. Um, and those, that time in Ireland definitely developed my love and pride in my Irish heritage. Um, and yes, so I will be representing Ottawa in the Rosa Tralee Festival this August. Thank you so much. <laughs> so I'm very much looking forward to representing um, my home here in Ottawa, in my home away from home of Ireland. Um, and... Yes, I feel very blessed to hold dual citizenship and to benefit from all that there is offered in Canada, but then all there is offered in Ireland as well. So thank you very much. Well said. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to ask uh, Damien to introduce himself, but then Damien, after you've introduced yourself, you might pitch your first question to the minister and pass him the mic and we'll kind of do it that way. So over to you, Damien. Hello everybody, uh, for those who don't know, my name is Damien Fannin, um, I'm a Galwegian as well. Um, I came here in 2013, just after finishing school, and you know, I came here with a, with, with a suitcase and, 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 and a, I guess a load full of dreams in some sense, but I came here to attend school um, at Ottawa U, it was a year or 18 month course, and uh, I'm still here. Um, Ottawa, I'd agree with the ambassador. A lot of people uh, chastise or, or make fun of Ottawa um, for the lack of fun. Um, and, and, and the lack, like it's no Toronto or it's no Montreal or so on and so forth. But Ottawa's home, and Ottawa provides opportunity for, for me. It's a home from home, and it, it allows with the Irish with the Irish heritage, the Irish uh, community, the Irish societies which are hugely important uh, for me and no doubt the rest of us uh, lingering on to dreams of home and so on and so forth it gives us that opportunity to kind of participate in things that we wouldn't do unless we're at home so yeah so um, I have a, my beautiful wife is a, a Fitzgerald it's kind of ironic I say to people I come all the way from Galway to Ottawa to meet a Fitzgerald <laughs> And uh, yeah, we have four beautiful children, and uh, we try our best to keep involved with the communities and and be my, uh, not lose our minds I <laughs> uh, at the same time. But yeah, I'm glad to be here, uh, Dimna and Ambassador, and uh, thank, thanks very very much, um, and, and Minister, thanks for having me uh, here, and uh, I look forward to having a chat. And uh, yeah, so I guess the first question would be with respect to. You know, I'm kind of reversing this. You know, one of the things is is a lot of Irish people have left Ireland in times where things weren't available to them in terms of jobs, in terms of 
in terms of you know uh, careers and so on and so forth and we're not necessarily forced to leave I wouldn't use that word but the opportunity was brighter to leave I guess from a, from a, from a minister of, uh, uh, of you know a diaspora and so on and so forth and people coming home what steps are taken to kind of make that transition uh, number one available especially for the likes of myself and, and parents that have children if they ever wanted to make that trip back home what steps are kind of taken in that direction to make that transition easy because it's not awfully easy I know it's you know you have to start off let's say as a banker let's say you know at number one you have no history with, with you know financial institutions from where you, you've kind of left your roots and so on and so forth I'm just interested in talking is that, a, is that part of a conversation with respective in, in your department um, thanks for that hard question <laughs> I thought this was to be a, a, cra- a bit of crack anyway I only say that in a light hearted mind the, the first I di- and listen carefully to that and we all know um, Irish people like to travel the world okay and in the last few years um, the last census that came out just last year showed that about 150,000 people had left Ireland like yourselves in the previous five years many of them well educated many of them going on to new opportunities not because they had to leave but they wanted um, to see some of the world and maybe have a new opportunity out there but at the same time over over 300,000 people came from abroad to live in Ireland so what I would say is um, there are far more people coming to live in Ireland now in the last five, six, seven years than there are people leaving Ireland so overall the picture is good from that point of view and why are so many coming? because there's jobs there we have the lowest level of unemployment than we've ever had in our lifetime and I think most employers in Ireland when you talk to them what's your biggest challenge? they talk about the cost of running businesses they talk about everything but every business says their biggest challenge is um, recruiting staff to get enough staff so I would say to people try and look at the jobs market before you come back try and line up a job or a couple of prospects of a job because everything you mentioned flows if you have an income um, you know everything else will follow after that in terms of if you're renting a house or maybe ultimately want to buy a house and you might want to do it straight off but really I would say the job issue is the biggest single issue the other thing I will say as well is that um, there are a few minor details which won't affect people like yourselves some older people who um, left Ireland with a driving license 20 years ago and they've been here um, in the States or in Canada driving on the other side of the road are complaining they have to do a driving test when they go back home because the rules of the law have changed since they left so there's a few little pinch points like that for, for people like yourselves younger people that's not an issue so my, my main issue I would say is that look for the employment force you were very brave you came out on spec and have met with a number of people today and sometimes some of them took them three months to get a job when they came out because they hadn't the planned and really it was difficult for that period so maybe do a little bit of work to line up a job uh, in the first instance before you go home and I think once you do that a lot of the rest will follow the housing you won't be able to buy a house straight up you will be renting you know and that's that's the way it is at the moment anyway we are building more houses but that will take time so that should be the answer in a nutshell thanks now I'm going to ask now I'm going to turn the table so I'm going to ask um, our, our, our friend here you tell me why you chose to come to um, this city as opposed to some, some other city you know in Canada or the States for the summer so I'm going to have to ball back there now 
Yeah, thank you, Minister, for your question. Um, I suppose one of the main reasons I came was uh, I have a link to, to Canada and specifically Ottawa. My, my, both my mother and my uncle grew up here and my grandfather still lives here. He has for 50 years. So, yes, um, I had a link and uh, I felt that it was a good opportunity to come abroad for the summer and enjoy myself. I also have links in the States on the other side of my family, so I'd certainly look to, you know, travel the world. I enjoy traveling personally, but uh, I think Ottawa as a city has a lot to offer. There's been a, a lot of jokes here tonight about how Ottawa is a boring city. I think it must be the fourth or fifth person to mention it at this stage, but uh, uh, there's a lot to do and there's a lot to see. Uh, Canada's a big country and outside of Ottawa there's a lot to do as well so yeah I suppose I, I came here because I had some opportunities and, and a job and everything yeah thank you I mean in the uh, in our diplomatic wanderings as well it's very important we often come across people who emigrate the US or Canada and then romanticize Ireland and then go back to Ireland and then suddenly realize they miss everything they had and so it's really important to make that decision about that you're not romanticizing you know the possibilities and so on and and that can be that's a kind of a process I think everybody kind of goes through you know so that's kind of interesting Maria I'll throw it over to you for a question to the minister Minister, you're lucky you handed it over there because the last word you said was housing. <laughs> and that could have been a tricky one. Um, no, uh, to be fair, and this may be an unfair question, but um, I think what you've heard me say and you've, you've heard Damien speak to the importance of education for opportunities in other countries, both of us having studied here. And I'm wondering uh, whether your department are working with the universities abroad in Canada and other universities to create opportunities for Irish citizens to be able to do Erasmus um, or to study here in an affordable manner. And I know you'd have to work with universities to do that, but I'm just wondering, is that something that you've looked to yet? Okay, I know half the answer to that question and the ambassador is going to answer the second half because I'm only three months in the job and like all, like some politicians will try and waffle the answer. I'm one of these guys, if I don't know the answer, I say so. So, so what, what, what it was, but the bit I do know, the Erasmus program, uh, you know, at, at third level and that is primarily to my knowledge within the EU countries. As a big program we have, you know, uh, universities right across and we all know different people from all over the country who uh, participate in that. One thing I'm going to say to the audience here is um, Dublin and maybe Galway and Cork participate well in that because they're university cities. But the rest of the countries, you know, the Midlands is doesn't participate enough because we're not, we don't have a university on our doorstep to the same extent, but those counties that have it are more tuned into that. So we do it through those programs. We do a different thing which you're going to find quite unusual in the Department of Foreign Affairs to help other countries through development aid. We bring up to 200 students from different countries around the world um, and primarily African countries under the, we have a name for it um, I, I forget the name of the scheme but what it is in simple English is people who, were, who have graduated from third level we bring them to do one full year of postgraduate, postgraduate degree anywhere in Ireland and they come and say what kind of a course they want to do 
and the Irish taxpayer, which is very good, will fully fund that for the 12 months of their um, postgraduate degree, so that when they go back to their own country, they can help improve uh, facilities in their own country. And then, also, it's a great thing for Ireland to have with those people in those countries from here on in. So actually, we're helping some people come to Ireland for education. The Erasmus, very big at the EU, but maybe the ambassador can fill in the position here, in, uh, you know, especially in Canada and the United States, because I don't know the answer to that one. Yeah, no, it, I mean, it, it's a great question, but it's also, there's no clear answer, because one of the problems we have in Canada is there's no federal Department of Education. It's a devolved administration at a provincial level. And the other problem we have is that at the provincial level, very often, even even tech, even colleges within provinces don't cooperate or recognize each other's uh, qualifications. It's, a re, it's quite a complicated landscape. So much so, uh, the, the one exception is at the technical college level. That's actually quite strong. We have a good tech, uh, relationship at the technical college level because, for example, IT Carlo offers a one-year course for the graduates of one technical college to get into another technical college, both of them in Ontario, because they don't recognize each other's qualifications, for them to move directly into the other college at the two-year course, but if they do it through Carlo, it's a one-year course. So actually, the gap in, in recognition within Ontario, not even between the provinces, has created a market opening for Irish colleges. But I think we have an awful long way to go in terms of exchanges. I mean, that's absolutely true, but it's a very complicated operating environment and getting things done at that level is, is going to be complicated and the, the relationship between Canada and the EU is growing and we, we have a seat of the, the, the comprehensive economic trade agreement but there's a lot more that we need to do and we all know that Canada also needs to do more in terms of recognizing qualifications including from Irish people because one of the experiences we have here is that highly qualified people are working at much lower levels because it's so slow getting a recognition and it is something for us to think about and to raise with the Canadian government is how can we, and I have raised this with uh, the politicians, how can we get Canada to recognise international qualifications? Uh, that, that's certainly a question that we would take away. Uh, Eva, your question. Thank you. Um, so I have two different questions, if that's okay. Um, first, uh, it's on a similar vein. Um, so as I said, I was born and raised in Ottawa, but I hold dual citizenship. And my brother and I have both um, thought about and considered perhaps moving to Ireland. Um, and I guess are there any, is there any advice you would have for those who are considering returning to Ireland but who never actually lived there or were born there? Um, or if there's any incentives? And then my second question, um, a little bit more general, was uh, could you please explain um, a little bit more about what your department does or what specific, I guess, goals or agenda that you have for perhaps this coming year or years to come? Okay, uh, thank you. In relation to, <clears throat> we're very lucky now in the last year or two where we have the, is it the grandparents rule? That if your parents or grandparents were born in Ireland, you're going to be able to apply for an Irish passport. And that's getting very straightforward and easy now. During COVID, things are a little bit slow. But the passport office in Ireland now is considered one of the top four in the world. We issue more than one million passports every single year. And for people in Ireland, this will surprise you. If you have a passport and it's coming up for renewal, you get it turned around in 48 hours. 
48 hours. So the only issue is first-time passports do take up to at least six weeks once the documentation is right. So um, somebody who is looking for a passport in Ireland based on their parents or grandparents living in Ireland would have to go through that first-time application and a lot of the documentation can be done here and can be emailed and you don't have to send back the original documentation to the passport office to get an Irish passport. So that's very important, you can get that citizenship. And <clears throat> your second question about what's our priority in the Department of Foreign Affairs or specifically my role um, in relation to overseas aid, which was the question directed at. Yeah, well, look, broadly, um, um, I think everybody here um, knows that the political landscape in the world has changed a lot since Russia's illegal invasion of Ukraine. And that does frame everything we talk about and do, um, you know, in the Department of Foreign Affairs. And I put it this way, um, most of us in this room, or I would hopefully say nearly all of us in this room, and most people you meet at home, have never known a war in Europe in our lifetime. I couldn't believe that this happened. We hear about the odd war here and there in other continents, but I've never thought of the possibility we could have a war in Europe. And I'm actually realizing now the difficulties that is happening. Like, even in the last year, 80,000 Ukrainians have come to, come to Ireland. I think 140,000 have even come to Canada. So really we have a lot of people fleeing the, the, the war um, that Putin has created in the Ukraine. And that has had a big impact on Ireland in terms of cost of living and you know fuel supplies and many other things that we're having to deal with. But that's the single biggest issue. We've actually a war on our doorsteps in Europe that we've never had in our lives before. So that does change everything. And I think that is really the emphasis that we have to work on. I think you all know Ireland has always been militarily neutral. We don't have a big army. We're a small country. We weren't involved in the last world war and we don't want to be involved in the war because we're so, we are a small country. However, we do help um, people in terms of sending aid to them and we do help them with humanitarian support when there's difficulties and we do help them with education and training. But we don't help them with military hardware and I think that's the difference. We're not, we're not a, a war nation. We, in fact, one of the reasons is we're one of those nations that was, I suppose, had a foreign invader, if you like to push it that way. So it's not in our nature to go out and fight wars in other countries. We were at the receiving end of that centuries ago. So I think the Ukraine issue oversees everything that we, we actually do. And the last thing I would say about the overseas aid, and the Irish people are very generous because we all know 180 years ago we had a famine and so many Irish people left um, the, left the, the shores and there are probably many more Irish people abroad than there are now. That's why our department wants to keep in contact with all those Irish communities, even be it first or second or third generation in all those countries because they have roots and they had to leave Ireland in difficult times. And because of that, there's a deep sense of trying to help people that are um, having to flee a war or a famine, like the people in Ukraine. And I think for the size of Ireland, take in 80,000 people, and it has happened seamlessly. There is not a problem. You might hear about the odd person giving out about it, and that's life. But by and large, 95% of the Irish people are welcomed them because they know their people in trouble. And most of the, those who have come so far have been the, the, the mothers with their children because the, some of the men are staying back to fight the war. So that overseas everything. And the last point I will say is, 
been at it as May, we're continuing to increase our aid uh, for the third world countries, especially in the African continent, who need education. And the big thing we do is a big emphasis for us is um, to su- support um, women and girls in education, because some of these countries, the girls don't get the education, the guys get it. So everything we do in every country, we absolutely ensure it's geared towards assisting uh, young girls getting into education, as if they have a chance to get on in life, if they don't have the education, it's going to be very difficult. And that's something that will bear fruit you know, in a relatively short time if you have a better educated workforce in the country. So that's it in summary. I'd also add for anybody who wasn't born in Ireland going to uh, live there, usually when they come into the embassy, say, well, where were we there last? Oh, we were there in August. Oh, my God, what a beautiful country. I say, live there in February. Then make, then make up your mind if you really want to go there. But before I turn it over to some questions from the audience, I want to ask our panelists, because the minister is a, is a first-time visitor, something he should know, whether it's something to eat, drink, or an insight that you had about Canada. That's what you would you would give to him in in a, in a sentence or two. So you're just here, but your mother you may have found something to tell him. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm just here, so uh, this 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 one stumped me a bit. Um, not to not to uh, take the spotlight away from this, but I'd like to draw back to what the ambassador and the minister have said about the education uh, in Ireland and with the Erasmus and the study abroad program. So as a university student who uh, had the option of doing that next year, I'm acutely aware of that. A lot of the universities in Ireland have direct links to the colleges here and in the States and all over Europe. So um, they do have, we do have the opportunities. I know uh, for my year we had McGill was an opportunity in Canada and so was Ottawa U and Carleton. So there's really great opportunities and great links between uh, Ireland and, and colleges abroad and, and the Erasmus program is a really well developed program throughout Europe and so I uh, just add that to it and uh, I, I'm not sure now I, <laughs> I might pass on this one I, I don't know what to say thank you um, we're really a ref- the, the people who've come before us have really paved the way for the way the Irish are treated in Canada and I have to say, the reception we received from the moment we arrived, receiving jobs in no time, um, is really a reflection on our diaspora and how hard we work and how hard we continue to work. So it's just something for you to hear and know that we are, as a community, I think everyone here can say that, it's, in my experience, extraordinarily well respected and received and I've never heard a bad word other than some of my bad jokes (laughs) and the one thing you need to do is you need to eat poutine somebody probably already told you that (laughs) Um, did you say drink poutine? (laughs) where do I get it? where do do I get it? Yeah, um, Maria took the first when the ambassador just mentioned what does, what does the minister need to do here I was like, he needs to eat gravy on chips <laughs> it's just a bit it's a bit it's a bit uh, different 
um, but yeah, no, I would second what Maria said. I mean, I'm here 10 years now, so as I said earlier, this is my home. And the importance for me, just something that you should know is, and, and, and no doubt you do already know this, is that the importance of the Irish societies, the different cultural events, whether it be the Rose of Trilly uh, Festival, whether it be the Drama Societies, whether it be the Gaelic Football, all of those things give, um, you know, immigrants like myself or, you know, and, and, and people that have been born here but have Irish relatives, parents. It gives everyone that direct contact to home. It provides a family. When you travel here on your own and, and you know, you don't have family or so on and so forth. And I've had the luxury of traveling not only in Canada but in Australia and North America in general. And the first thing I would always do is to contact the Gaelic Football Society for a job. That was just what I did. And not necessarily because I wanted to play but I just needed to work. And that's the importance of, of, of what these different societies mean. They become your friends. They become your family in a lot of ways and they become so important to you and your family and, and I think that just needs to be noted. No doubt you know that already but I think I just want to emphasize that. Another thing you must do, one last quick must do is hockey. If You, ha- you won't get it this time of year unfortunately but maybe on your next trip. It, 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 it's nearly like a mixture of, I try to describe it to the, to the, to the Irish at home, it's a mixture of like hurling and, and a bit of rugby and a bit of MMA. And thrown on, on ice um, but it's, it, 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 it's lovely to see because we as Irish people hold on to Gaelic football and as to our county colours and our jerseys if life depended on it well it's the very same in hockey here it's complete pride for the Canadians most Canadians I'm told uh, um, grow up with the idea of lifting the Stanley Cup so it's a similar kind of concept I think firstly what is truly amazing about people of Irish descent um, is the fact that it doesn't matter how far removed they are from Ireland, they're always just so proud to be of Irish heritage. Uh, I remember growing up and my school had a big um, world map and everyone was supposed to put a little pin on it from where they were from or their ancestors were from and the amount of pins that covered Ireland were (laughs) bigger than the country. Um, So I always thought that was, uh, I think it's very very amazing about people um, who have Irish heritage Um, and as well uh, definitely beaver tails so I recommend going to the market the Byward market yes a classic you must Uh, as well I recommend um, visiting the Rideau Canal and the river they now have I think like a little tiki bar that you can sit on and go along so that's pretty fun Um, and as well the Gatineau Hills aren't too far away uh, and I think they really highlight the beauty of Canada and yes I think yeah come back to me I'll follow up more (laughs) so you could tell uh, Canadian sport and food is designed to kill you Um, so but I do want to pick up on Maria's point which is that the, and we have this in, in ICANN the, the Immigrant Welfare Office in Toronto they're constantly getting calls from Canadian companies in Toronto saying if any Irish are coming through let us know because our work ethic is astonishing here and this it defies one of the cliches about the Irish but our work ethic is part of a success as well as our sense of community as, as Damien said so just uh, questions or comments from the audience Pat, oh see he's got a microphone thought he was Yes, Austin. 
We all know Austin from Irish Radio. Um, thanks, um, Ambassador. Minister, would you perhaps provide an update on where the process is on um, efforts to provide a vote in presidential elections to the diaspora? <laughs> So, um, first thing I'll do is I'm going to take a vote here now. Who's, who's in favour of that? <laughs> and who believes only people in Ireland should have a vote in elections in Ireland? Yeah. Okay. So anyway, in relation to the presidential election, um, we are one of the few countries in the world and in Europe that doesn't allow citizens from outside the country to participate in elections. So the first thing we have to do is acknowledge that. So in the program for government, that's part of this government's plan, is we want to move towards, um, and the request has been, a vote for Irish people abroad to vote in the presidential election. And that's more straightforward than in the general election because it's done by constituency and people would have to link in with constituencies and that would be very complicated. So what we've been asked by various immigrants groups is a vote in the presidential election and that's a much more straightforward situation. And we are actually working on that proposal and I've met a number of immigrants groups who've raised that recently and it is in our program for government to deliver it. But I think I'm being honest in saying it won't happen for the next presidential election which is what, about two years time because you know there'll be a lot of issues even once the decision is made finally to do it you know you'd have to set up a voter registration system in the different countries you'd have to decide to the vote in person and we've had it you know people in, in um, citizens from Brazil and the United States they can all vote but they have to go to a particular place so would it be one or two locations in each country so there would be a lot of logistics so I think it, the plan would be it will happen not for the next one which is only about two years ago but hopefully the one after that and that's the straight answer it won't happen for the next immediate presidential election but hopefully it will thereafter um, and also there are some emigrant uh, em advocates who are now thinking that they should back a, a, a senatorial candidate for the Irish Senate so you'd have a voice within the Arathas, which is actually not a bad kind of plan as well uh, and that could serve a, serve a good function. Um, some more questions or comments? Yeah, Jennifer. Who did the book? Uh, who, who did the book on the Peter Robinson immigration of 1825? We came on the ship, the Regulus. Sentiment has stayed strong for Ireland. Uh, we have doctors and lawyers and, and titans uh, amidst the family. Uh, my question is this: In 2025 will be the 200th anniversary of when the Regulus ship left. Uh, Mallow Cork and my family members will be going to honor that memory uh, it, it's beautiful to have you here but sentiment stays strong and, and when you, when you uh, come from an Irish family you're full of sentiments and indeed to use your words uh, a sense of romanticism uh, you know if you know anything about James Joyce and WBA of course 
I honor my Irish uh, heritage very much. And in 2025, the 200th anniversary, family members are going to Mallow Court to honor the 200th anniversary of that ship taking off. So amongst the diaspora, there's all of us who, who stay true to the ideals, the wonderment, uh, the mystery of Ireland. Uh, do you remember us who came long ago? Absolutely. And first, I'm so pleased to hear about that anniversary coming up, which I hadn't heard of. And I would ask you, through the ambassador, to make sure you make direct contact with our office. And I think we should, you know, in Ireland, and when we have the details of assisting uh, the appropriate commemoration of it, I think Ireland has celebrated, um, we've had a decade of centenaries over the last number of years, running from uh, the 100th anniversary of 1916 right up to the War of Independence and different issues like that, many of which were sensitive and difficult, and we've managed to do it in a, in a proper manner. And I think a lot of people um, have done very well during that um, um, celebrations of the events 100 years ago. But you're trumping it now with a 200-year... <laughs> Okay, and we will certainly participate in that event in every way we can, so make sure we have the full information as soon. And thanks for highlighting, and that's what it's all about. The Irish people who have left, the reason I'm here is because people have left Ireland, and Ireland, and the government of Ireland, and the people of Ireland want to continue to stay in contact with people whose people back two, three, four generations left, but they're still Irish. Yeah, thank you. It's a really important point because, and we try, that's why we include a heritage tour when we can for all our visitors from Ireland in Ottawa because it's, it's news to them about the strength of the Irish heritage in Canada and that we've been coming here for 300 years and the Irish have made an immense contribution at all kinds of levels that people have completely forgotten about because, as we were talking earlier, uh, the United States and the Irish immigrant story, it's the more recent one, it's more powerful in the sense of contemporary the United States and all of that, but the depth of the heritage here is astonishing. Uh, and all, even all around the Ottawa Valley, the Gatineau Valley, not even to mention Newfoundland and, and Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and so on. Um, some of their comments, yes. Uh, thank you, Minister. But just, just uh, we met here at the end, and it turns out the minister just to share this with you is an Irish diaspora story. The minister is from the same village my mother comes from, and my my father comes from the next village over. So my mother and father come from the same townland that this man is from. Ballinakill and Chalk and Kilkenny and Leash, the overlap there, the two parts. So I was interested in talking, running into you, and just connecting up. Thank you for being here. And just on the last two questions, my 
name is Kevin Dooley and, and I'm active here with those who know me. Uh, I just thought I'd just put it on the page here, uh, just a reminder that we have a very, very unique, and, uh, and the ambassador and the embassy has supported this over the years. We have a very, very unique history here in town. It's called the Rideau Canal. Because the Rideau Canal was built mainly by recent Irish immigrants back in 1826, 1832. Thousands died on it in terrible conditions. That is officially recognized by the Canadian, the government of Canada in 2014. And those people are declared people of national historic significance. This is very important. It took a long struggle. And as a Celtic cross was put up by the community, some of the people who are here today helped pay for that cross. So we're a very uh, tragic part of the Irish diaspora. It's right here in Ottawa. And also we have famine graves here, just up, just up the road here. And we have famine graves close by. So when you're looking at the Irish history and the Irish hospital. It was grim. And the grimmest part of it are right here. And we do honour that. So thank you, Minister. I understand you were down at the Celtic Cross today to the, to the, to, to the honour the Celtic, the Irish workers who died on the Rita Canal. I think that, that history should resonate with us all the time. We should never forget that. Because the, our early immigrants suffered terribly in this country. We made it. Yes, we made it. But that, we should always remember the blood, sweat and tears that went into building this country. Thank you. I just thought I'd share that. First of all, um, thanks Kevin for speaking, and we've never met before until I walked in here this evening. And you know, isn't this, what Kevin has just said is a wonderful web of Irish connections, no matter where you go in the world. As he said, he's from the parish of Ballinakill, which is about 100 yards from my own house, and is where I spent five years in secondary school in your home parish. And then uh, where your mother is from is about, I'm about one field away from her parish, and <laughs> where I'm born and reared as well. Uh, village called the Swan and my mother and father are buried in your parish so the family links are very tight to the two parishes. but you made a really good point we did go down to the Celtic Cross and the ambassador was very good to bring me down there and we took that's probably why we were a little bit late I put the hands up now I don't know what I told you when I came in as to why I was late but that's where we were so I can tell you now straight and what I've always noticed you made a good point a lot of the early Irish immigrants left and they were the navvies in England and they were doing the, the hard work on the ground, the digging and many of them did die on the, on the canal as you said, working on that and they um, and lots of them survived and that's why you're all, all here now but I think what has been good about the emigration in recent times in recent times is the fact that they're generally far more educated and going for better jobs when they go abroad and they're not having the forced emigration that was necessary years ago and I do think the emigrants as you've seen people who come here now and I will say the pattern of emigration is changing years ago when you took the boat to go to America like Europe that was the end of it they never came home again and uh, the one thing now I notice about people say where are you going to I'm going to emigrate to Australia and they're gone to Australia and you meet them they're back home for a wedding in six months' time and they're gone again. So the pattern of emigration is changing due to world travel. And I think, you know, um, people will move around the world more so than just leave once and never come back. So there's a bit of a change there. But you're right, the Irish people, you know, I think their names are buried under the foundations of uh, a lot of major pieces of infrastructure around the world. And that's why I was so pleased to be down there to recognize that today with the ambassador. 
Thanks. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a really important point as well about the change. When you look at the immigrants in the 19th century, they send a letter off home about what's going on in Canada, but they'll send it on to their brother in Australia. Or And these letters just went around like emails, but the social, social media has completely changed the immigrant experience. In terms of Kevin's point about the connections, I was up in Akali with the capital of none of us at a dinner. I met uh, an Inuit from Rankin Inlet, and I said, got, this became a joke, because I was always saying, well, any Irish connections? And he said, oh, yeah, he says, my grandfather was from Newry. And I said, my grandfather was Newton Hamilton, 10 miles up the road. I mean, how could you, in Akali with a guy from Rankin Inlet, I mean, with Ira everywhere, even in the high Arctic, it's crazy. But anyway, uh, questions? Ian. Thank you. You um, have two minutes. <laughs> I was going to pay you a compliment. <laughs> okay, I was intrigued by the question from the lady in the front when she mentioned 1825, a very important time. Minister, have you ever heard of Thomas Darcy McGee? Yes, yes. Yeah, yes or no? I'm, go- I'm going to honestly answer say no. I'm okay. Everybody is prompted in my ear the answer. That's, that's fair enough. I've got one and three quarter minutes left. <laughs> Thomas Darcy McGee was the only federal politician assassinated uh, for his political uh, views in Canada. He was enormously important in the establishment of confederation. He was, he came here after the 1848 Young Ireland Rebellion in which he participated and he then turned around and convinced John A. Macdonald and other ministers that confederation of certain provinces would be a good thing for Canada, right? Now, in 2025, it is the 200th year of his birth. And what I'd like to know is, when is Ireland going to recognize and acknowledge the contribution of Darcy McGee in constitutional politics. Up to this they haven't, and for this reason, uh, when he was in Ireland, he, uh, he wanted an Irish Parliament after the Act of Union. Uh, he proposed to the British that, okay, we'll recognize the Crown if you give us a Parliament. Britain said no he joined the Young Ireland Movement and participated in that in that rebellion. Now, since you haven't heard of him, now you've heard of him. <laughs> if Ireland wants to establish itself with Canada, they have got to do something more than just casual recognition. 
they have to identify that this man was important even today in both Irish politics and in Canadian politics. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, um, thanks for that, and, and even, I, I keep saying every day is a learning day, and I've been learning for the last five minutes, it's just a little bit more than the two minutes, but all, all I can say is, I will take that back to the government, I don't know, has it been brought to the government before, have they considered it or have they not, you might know that, but if they have, or if they haven't, I will certainly bring it back uh, to the party, as you know in Ireland we have three parties in government, I'll bring it back to the party leaders, um, uh, to, to take on board what you're saying. But beyond that, I can't say any more than I will do that. Okay? Well, I can guarantee if he had come from Leash, the minister would know all about him. So, <laughs> uh, But thanks, Ian has made an important point, though, that it, it's again about telling the story of the Irish in Canada, which has been forgotten, and certainly Thomas Harrison McGee is, is a major figure. Um, and we, are, we, are, we have some plans to kind of... There is a, a summer school in Carlingford, um, which has been devoted to him over the number of years, and I think there are plans to do something for 2025. Yeah. So... Just to build on that, there is a bust of Darcy McGee with plaques written both Gaelic and Irish and, and uh, English and French. So yes, they do recognize in Carlingford his, uh, his contributions as... Uh, At Carlingford? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And a bust of a mayor on Parliament Hill as well. Yeah. And a pub. And a pub. Yes. We might take one more, two more questions then. Final two questions. <laughs> Jesus, Mary and Joseph, Darcy McGee is a hard act to follow, believe me. I, um, my question is this. I was born in Liverpool, and of course in school in Liverpool you didn't have any Irish language like the, the rest of this lucky lot did, you know. So I'm, I'm an oldie now, and all my life I've been trying to learn this language. And my question is, is there any chance of your department uh, having free language, you know, Ascaliga lessons for the di diaspora? <laughs> Yeah, that's a great suggestion and it's so simple and straightforward it should be possible especially online classes now at the moment um, and I would have said in the past it might have been very difficult to organize but it should be something that we can, uh, can take on board it's a very good suggestion and the couple of focal and even if you have a few more to go with it you know will I think help foster the sense of Irishness amongst the community and it's certainly a great suggestion that we will take back and we will act um, see what we can do on that because it's so simple and surprised we haven't done it before. Thanks. Sorry, I'm before you. I'm, you're right. uh, I'm not sure if this is a better one for the new minister or for the ambassador. I was in Ireland recently and I was there while our president, Michael O'Higgins, uh, ventured to suggest that we were uh, sliding more towards NATO uh, and perhaps 
weakening our neutrality. And I wondered what the official government response was. I mean, at the time it happened, people were inclined to say, oh, who does Michael O'Higgins think he is telling the government about our, our plans? But I, I think from the general population point of view, it would be interesting to know what, what the government response was to that concern. Okay, and thank you, because that did get a lot of publicity. I'm one of those people that I'm laid, a little bit laid back, which is no harm, and I think he is the elected president of Ireland, and he did express a view. Um, not everybody in government likes him doing it, but what I will say is you might have spotted, he made it in the context of a major series of public meetings the government was arranging to discuss our future in terms of our place in the world, and not just neutrality, but issues about defending Ireland in a changing world, and we all know that could be for energy security, it could be communication security, and but we're all, everybody is clear at all those meetings, and over 10,000 people either attended those online or in person, and there was no move by anybody, and everybody accepts Ireland has zero intention of heading into NATO. And then the person, the senior person from NATO, um, who was at, speaking at that event, said he's in his position 27 years, and the issue of Ireland joining NATO has never been raised once in 27 years in NATO. So I think from that point of view, um, I think Irish people are very steadfast in their views on that. However, we will have to get help from some of our neighbours in terms of defence of our own country, in terms of what I just mentioned. It could be fuel or oil security or gas security, electricity security, cyber attacks. We can't isolate ourselves from the war. So we are going to have to work with some of our people more for a self-defense, but not for going to war in any other country. So we're very clear on that. And I do know there are remark you made about the president and he... Um, you know, I, I, I say this in the nicest possible way. On occasions, he does say a few things that sometimes upset some people who are a little bit sensitive. But sometimes there's a germ of truth in what he says on those days as well. So, you know, he's entitled to make it, and I respect his constitutional office. Thank you, Minister. So, listen, that draws it to. Oh, Kay. Okay, final question to Kay, um, President of the Seniors Group, very active Seniors Group. nice to meet you, Minister Fleming. And not, I don't have a question for you, but I did want to thank you from all of us. We're in our 17th year, and we're now 90 members, 50% Irish born, 48% uh, Irish descent, and two or three who call themselves IBMs, Irish by marriage. Okay. Uh, we started our group uh, with uh, a grant from Ireland, and uh, that grant continues. Uh, it's a little, it's smaller, but. <laughs> 
we, we continue to ask for more, but that's okay. We're not, uh, we, we want to thank you very much because it's because of that grant that we are here. And uh, we're, we're a great group. We have about 15 of us here tonight. We call ourselves Recycle Teenagers. And uh, uh, our group really is a, a group of support to, to each other. Um, the Irish Embassy here in Ottawa has been such a support to us, and we thank them as well, all of them. So. And, and by the way, I'm a proud Corkonian. <laughs> and I think up Cork, eh, Paula? And uh, I will be celebrating my 56th year in Canada on the 10th of October. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we came uh, for my husband to continue his studies at McMaster University in Hamilton. It was, it was going to be two years. And... Uh, it stretched. Here we are. So, many thanks. Oh, yeah. You know, you spent a lot of time in Chile, and I travel the world around and talk about it, but I'm the only way with all of it. Such a beautiful person to represent your city. We just want to wish you the very best. Well done. Well said. And we like to sorry, sorry, sorry. follow up on that. The proud yes. father, Pat, yes. and indeed for all his hospitality indeed. here this evening. Thank you, Pat. And a, and a final question. A final, yeah. Exactly.